Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know that I've opened up enrollment again to my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. I ran the course for the first time earlier this year with a group of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs from across the globe over a 12-week period. And it now comes with a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live question and answer call. You can also post your questions on the learning platform and you can post your pitches to get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses and it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. Some of the current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but you don't have the budget to hire a publicist or a PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enrol. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the course Vegans in the Limelight. In this episode, I interview two fabulous vegan powerhouses, both of whom have previously appeared on the show as individual guests. Victoria Moran from Main Street Vegan Academy in New York and vegan lifestyle coach J.L. Fields in Colorado. Now, the reason I've got them back on the show and together is because they've co-authored a new book and being experienced authors, I knew they'd have a ton of advice on writing, co-authoring and publishing books. Victoria is a vegan of over three decades and made her reputation in the self-help genre with books including the international bestseller Creating a Charmed Life. A twice-featured guest on Oprah, Victoria's vegan titles include The Love Powered Diet, The Good Karma Diet, and Main Street Vegan, which received endorsements from Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Clinton. A renowned and popular international speaker, she trains vegan lifestyle coaches, educators, and entrepreneurs via her in-person Main Street Vegan Academy and hosts the Main Street Vegan podcast on Unity Radio. JL is the founder and culinary director of the Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy. She's a master vegan lifestyle coach and educator, personal chef, career coach, and a corporate consultant offering wellness training, brand representation, and strategic planning services. Her books include Vegan Pressure Cooking and The Vegan Air Fryer. JL produces and hosts the weekly radio program Easy Vegan, blogs at jlgoesvegan.com, and writes the monthly vegan dining review for the Colorado Springs Gazette. The pair have co-authored the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook, over 100 plant-sourced recipes plus practical tips for the healthiest, most compassionate you. Fabulous title, I love that, and we talk about that in the interview, which also includes tips and recipes from 60 graduates of the Academy. In this interview, Victoria and JL talk about how they navigated the writing process, considering they live in different cities, why they chose an independent publisher, and tips on how to pitch a book, the benefits of being an author to their respective businesses, the marketing and promotional strategies they use to sell their books, their honest experiences of working with previous publishers, how Victoria got endorsements from Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Clinton, plus tips on how to secure high-profile people to praise your book or write a foreword, how JL dealt with unscrupulous people copying her work and publishing it as their own on Amazon, 
and much more. Here's the interview with Victoria Moran and JL Fields. Hello, Victoria, and hello, JL. Hello, Katrina. Hello, it's great to be back. It is, and so just for listeners, particularly for new listeners, so both Victoria and JL have been on the show before. Um, JL's episode is number 11 and Victoria's is number 15, and I'll link to both of those in the show notes page so you can have a listen. So very excited to have both of them back on the show today. They're both vegan powerhouses, and they've co-authored a book together, which we're going to be talking about, and we're also going to be talking about publishing because they've both published several books, and they co-authored this one. So we've got quite a lot to to get through in the call today but first of all I just want to kick off with just both of you um, describe briefly your business journey and where you're at right now well I'll start to my older I spent my career as a writer and speaker and I just met someone at a business event yesterday whose card says creator writer performer and I thought that should be my card and yet <laughs> It, it's difficult in this world to be a, just a, a writer and, and, and a creative person. And so um, a lot of us are doing a lot of things. So in 2012, I wrote a book called Main Street Vegan that sparked a whole lot of things, notably Main Street Vegan Academy that trains vegan lifestyle coaches. That's how I met JL, and that's um, how this book came into being. Fantastic, fantastic. And I know you have, as we mentioned in our previous interview, Victoria, you have got a very long and illustrious career as a speaker and a writer. And before you wrote the vegan-focused books, you um, well, you did your studies in veganism um, and then you did a lot of um, sort of spiritual and um, self-help books. You've been on Oprah twice. Um, so you've certainly kind of been, yeah, been been doing that, that kind of work for some time now, which is fantastic. So now what about you, JL? I love the fact that... Um, you actually went to Victoria's Main Street Vegan Academy and now you guys, you're on the faculty and you're working together. So tell us a little bit about your business journey and where you're at today. Well, and I love that too. I still can't believe um, <laughs> how much has happened in the last five years. But yeah, you know, just to, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit the first time I was on your podcast, but I, uh, you know, I had a, a long career in the nonprofit sector and in higher education, 25 years. And then when I was 45, I went vegan and started this little blog uh, that I would kind of work on over my lunch break at the college that I was um, working for. And just started networking and talking to vegans and somehow I just became obsessed with how I could spend my full time, you know, all my energy on veganism. And I had been invited to co-author a book called Vegan for Her with Jenny Messina, who is, uh, has the website The Vegan RD. And as we were working on this book, I was like, oh, I really need to do something. And that's when I heard Victoria on the Our Hen House podcast talking about her academy. And it was the very first one. She was launching it. And I ran into my house because I was out on a run. And I signed up. And um, that was five years ago. And in the last five years, I can't believe that, I guess, by January, I'll have, like I don't know if you call it four and a half or five books out because my um, second book is being reprinted and expanded and coming out in January. And I have a, a cooking academy in Colorado Springs, a vegan cooking academy. And I'm on the faculty of the University of New Mexico in the culinary program training non-vegan chefs how to cook vegan food and consulting with brands that um, are trying to get their vegan food business out. And it's been incredible and sometimes I can't believe it even happened. Wow. And, and I need to brag about JL. In addition, <laughs> her, her book, The Vegan Air Fryer, won Cookbook of the Year for 2017 from Veg News Magazine. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Fantastic. And you've also got one out, the vegan, air, uh, the vegan Pressure Cooking as well, which I think has been a, a popular one. So, so what I love about that is that, like, so Victoria's kind of been vegan for much, much longer. It's like you've kind of got these two contrasting. Um, you know, Victoria's been doing, you know, kind of veganism, I suppose, for longer. But JL, you kind of, I love that you, you did Victoria's first. Um, academy and that you heard about her on the show because that's a nice little tip for the importance of getting into media um, you know and so you've got a sale from that Victoria which is awesome <laughs> and then just the way that the two of you um, have collaborated and um, yeah and JL particularly you know in, in that 
five years done so much um, and I also just wanted to touch and just reiterate what Victoria said about that whole uh, need for creatives that yes sometimes we have to get creative in doing other things other than maybe just writing or broadcasting we kind of have to put on several different hats in order to have the money coming in to fund the other things but certainly when it can all be linked to and related to veganism is is pretty exciting and just on that I'm going to ask both of you this but I, uh, I think possibly it might be slightly more relevant to jail but not necessarily the whole idea because you said you had many hats so you do consulting and coaching you're trained as a vegan lifestyle coach and you do these other things now sometimes within the vegan circles um, and even within vegan and plant-based business circles there's this kind of expectation that you should do a lot of this stuff for free you should do your cooking classes for free you should consult for free because it's for the animals it's about veganism um, you know or people say oh can I get on a call and you know chat about my business or can I meet with you for a coffee to pick my brain um, how do you handle those types of queries so first off, like, are you in my brain? How did you know? <laughs> yes, that happens all the time. And you know what? I really try to be um, humble and also firm at the same time in, in those things. Because, you know, I believe that my vegan business is thriving because I do a variety of things and because I'm also a volunteer and an activist in my community. And so that requires being a juggler. That requires being able to to be able to to help people understand when I'm doing something that's for my community and when I'm doing something that I'm doing as a professional and it's also for my community. And so I'll, I'll give you an example of that. You know, so I teach cooking classes and that's a big part of my professional income. But I also want people to take classes to find out that they want to take classes, right? So I've started to look at free classes and workshops as a marketing segment of what I do. So instead of looking at a, you know, if I'm going to do a free class at a local grocery store, I'm not going to look at that as a revenue opportunity. I mean, I may or may not get some students, you know, in the future. So I look at that as a marketing opportunity and as an opportunity for an hour to get up in front of people and give my time for an hour. And maybe some people walk out and start creating more vegan meals, which is good for the animals and for the planet. And so I just have to kind of I guess almost silo myself in that way and and I'm just honest when people you know if they kind of complain about it I say well you know what if you take a look at my portfolio or look at my website you're going to see that probably every other month one month I'm teaching a class that's fee-based and the next you're going to find me at a grocery store teaching a free class and and that's that's how it works and so I think just being um, not resentful of the pushback but instead understanding it's probably coming from a good place. I mean, I think a lot of people who are saying like, well, I'm an activist and I do this for free. And I think that's great. I made a choice to walk away from a six figure job and move to an entirely different town so that I could afford to be a professional vegan. I am not a wealthy one, but I'm a happy one. Yes, I love that. No, that's really, really good advice. Victoria, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think it's very important for our colleagues that we have a certain kind of standard about being paid for our work because one of the things that I see, so many of us are on the VegFest circuit and we're traveling around and speaking, and, you know, that's hard. You've got to travel. You've got to be on an airplane with a lot of germs and leave your family <laughs> and, you know, all the things that, that go into that. And at first, of course, we're so excited about being asked that we would almost pay them. But then the time comes when we need a little something back from that. I'm in a, a support group of uh, women vegan writers, and we've kind of made a pact with ourselves that we need to have a certain, and, and it's low, because I know that some of these veg fests do not have much money, but some actually do, um, that, that we get paid something, that our expenses get covered, and there's a little something over, simply because if we say yes to the freebie, then they're going to not want to pay our colleagues. You know, if, if I got so-and-so for free, then why won't you come for free? Right. So I think of it as a little bit of um, support for all of us because we're all out there trying to make the world vegan, and we can't do that as proficiently if we're doing 40 hours a week somewhere else. 
Got it, got it. Now, those are both really good advice, and it, it's one that I get that a lot. And um, I even wrote a blog post about it on vegan business media called "Don't Pick My Brain, Rent It." I think it was called. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and because. Then, well, yeah. and to do what JL said, you, when you want to do something pro bono, it needs to be what you want to do. For example, today I had an insurance consultation from this man, and decided that I don't want any of this insurance. And he came all the way over here. If you know Manhattan, I'm on Uptown West, and he's right. Midtown East. Very hard to get here. <laughs> and, and he had mentioned that he would really be interested in like health consulting. And I said, okay. I didn't buy your insurance. I insist upon giving you a free, you know, coaching hour. And that makes me feel good. But where if he had come over and said, hey, you know, can, can I have a free hour of your time? Yeah. I wouldn't have been as happy about it. Of course, of course. And I guess what I do as well is like when people say, oh, yeah, can I get on a call with you? And they're assuming it's going to be free. What I say to them is, look, here's what a load of free resources that I do. You know, I've got recorded talks, blog posts, podcast episodes, etc. But when it comes to like, you know, the one on one stuff, then, you know, I do charge for that because that then enables me to continue to create the free stuff. So I guess it's just kind of finding that language around it. So people don't just go, oh, yeah, she's just some greedy, hard ass capitalist. You know, kind of thing. So I'm really good to get your your take on that that's very refreshing actually which is um, fantastic so let's talk a little bit about the book so the the new book that you both co-authored it's called the main street vegan academy cookbook over 100 plant sourced recipes plus practical tips for the healthiest most compassionate you now first of all I want to congratulate you on a fabulous title because <laughs> it's a very smart title like there is no ambiguity there we know exactly what we're getting with that book and I think that's important for people to hear because I think gone are the days now when cryptic headlines and clever headlines or clever titles rather are the thing you know they're fine you know if it's a print magazine you can still kind of get away with them but certainly for books now because Amazon is now its own search engine and you just you know you want to have those keywords in and for people to know exactly what they're getting so I love the title um, so tell us first of all um, how did the idea for the book come about gosh JL do you remember <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny Victoria I was thinking about that I think from the day I met you you had always thought that this that the next logical step as far as a book with with your first book uh, Main Street Vegan was going to be a cookbook and I remember you kept telling me that for years and I thought oh she's just being nice to me because she knows I'm writing cookbooks and you never let it go and that's how it happened like you had always seen that as the next step. That's how I remember it. Well, it's been a while, you know, that we've been working on it. That's the thing about books. You know, it's so interesting. We're all so enamored with slow food, and yet a book is a slow learning experience. It's, it's slow in its production, and you need to really sit with it and take some time and turn the pages. And in the case of a cookbook, like our cookbook, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. The mm -hmm. photographs from uh, Jackie Soban of, of Vegan Yak Attack are amazing, and the, the design is amazing. But the, the book, it, it takes some time. It really is a labor of love. And I feel like as we're talking about food, this book, when it actually births on December 19th, is going to be ripe, you know, ripe and ready and beautiful. Mm. Fantastic, fantastic. So why did you decide to do a cookbook, Victoria? Because your, your business is Main Street Vegan and uh, Academy, and you train people to be vegan lifestyle coaches. But also I know some of your students have gone on to do some amazing things like opening a vegan cheese store and all kinds <laughs> of other things. So why specifically a cookbook? Because veganism, at the end of the day, whatever brings you to it, it has to come out in your kitchen. You're going to change the way you eat, the way you cook, the way you shop, and the kinds of foods that become normal. So it, it, even if you don't think of yourself as a culinary person at all, it, it really ends up there. 
So a cookbook is absolutely natural. And one of the things that we're so proud of in this book is that it's not only the over 100 fabulous recipes, and they are fabulous, but it's all this education. It's lots and lots of tips. We have these little boxes called Coaching Corner, which are the kinds of things that our graduates tell their private clients, that JL tells people in her cooking classes. These are the kinds of things that our combined vegan experience of, oh my gosh, because some of the, we have 60 of our graduates contributing tips and recipes. So we're what? 300 years maybe combined vegan experience um, is going into this book. Fantastic. I was going to ask you what's different and unique about it, but I think you've just answered that. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, and I I was just going to jump in to say that what I loved about this is that Victoria always had a really clear vision of what this book would look like. And, you know, when you start to put a proposal together and talk to, you know, agents and different publishers, it always has the potential to maybe go down a different path, but that didn't happen. In fact, I think that Victoria's original vision is is 100% here. Because I, Victoria, I don't know if you recall, but I mean, one of the the, the type, subtitles we've talked about for a while was, uh, you know, it's like having a coach in your kitchen, and mm-hmm. and so it was taking, you know, so so a lot of us are out there, you know, there are hundreds of vegan lifestyle coaches now who've gone through the Main Street Vegan Academy, me being one, who go out into our own communities and are teaching cooking classes or sitting down one-on-one and educating people or coaching them, and that we are are reaching lots of people. But we knew that cumulatively with a book like this, we're going to reach even more people who may not have a vegan lifestyle coach an educator in their community right now, or maybe they can't afford to spend an hour with someone right now, but they can spend the $20 on the book and have a coach in the kitchen with them with what does veganism mean? What are the, you know, the different shades of veganism as far as health and planet and, and obviously the animals and, and different approaches to cooking. Like it's literally for anybody who has this question of what is veganism, they're going to pick up this book and have an understanding of it, understand that it's joyful, it's exciting, it's fun, and that there are so many different ways to cook foods that will please you or maybe your non-vegan family members. It's, it's exciting. Fantastic. And now, I think about, oh, yeah, go on, Victoria. I'm sorry. <laughs> and one of the cool things about getting contributions from so many people is you know how everybody has their favorite recipe. Certainly people who are great cooks, but even people who maybe aren't so great, but they've got their two or three things that are really good, and that's what they always take to the potluck. Well, we've got 60 people's best recipes. Fantastic, fantastic. So let's talk about the pitching process. So for people who are interested in publishing books, obviously there's different routes um, and nowadays um, self-publishing is an option nowadays with print on demand and then there's also the pitching of the publishers. Now I know you've both been published by large mainstream publishers um, over the years and with this one you've gone with a more boutique um, publishing uh, house called Ben Bella Books. So can you tell us a bit about the pitching process and how that, how that came about? Well, we did the book proposal, which is an art in itself, and I tell people when I've uh, done writing coaching that your book is going to sell for $20, but you want your book advance to be a lot more than that, so your proposal has to be a lot better than even your book, and people always look at me like, oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, But it's the idea you need to sell somebody quickly that they would want to read this book and then you need to excite them because it's a very team process who decides in any publisher, whether we're talking a big kind of of random house HarperCollins size publisher or a small publisher like Ben Bella or some of the other vegan publishers, it's still a committee. And so the first person that reads your proposal has to be sufficiently excited that he or she, but usually it's a she, can convince the other people that they need to read it and maybe they should get excited too. So when you're, you're doing a book proposal, and there are a couple of books that I recommend to people, uh, one is called The Shortest Distance Between You and a Published Book by Susan Page. Another one is called How to Write a Book Proposal by Michael Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N. And, and they talk about the very first little um, brief introduction 
And what's so cool about that brief introduction to your book is that's going to show up everywhere. It's going to be in your press release, which it is in our press release for a Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook. It's what is showing up on Amazon. You know, that didn't just get created by a publicity department. That's straight from our proposal. So if you want to go the publisher route, I would say number one suggestion is learn to write a great book proposal. Mm, that's very good advice. I love what you said about the book proposal. It's got to be even better than your book. <laughs> so yeah, it could be a meme, I think. Um, so why did you decide to, to go to pitch Ben Bella? Why did you choose them? Well, we went through a literary agent, and that's kind of another layer in the traditional publishing process. If you go with a, a very small publisher or a specific vegan publisher, and I'm thinking, I, I know, JL, you've been with some of the smaller publishers. I have a book with Lantern Books, which is a beautiful vegan publisher. And for that one, I just called the publisher and said, can I come in and talk? That's a different <laughs> process. But if you do want to go for um, a bigger publisher, a lot of these publishers, and I believe Ben Bella is actually one of those, will only look at an agented manuscript. So we first pitched uh, Steve Troja at Folio Literary Management. He's done quite a few vegan and vegetarian cookbooks. And so um, he had Ben Bella on his list, and um, here we are. Great, great. And what's the experience been like with them? Like, and who came up with the title? So is that your title? Did they have input or a mix of both? Well, we, we as JL said, we had originally wanted to call it A Coach in Your Kitchen, the official Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook and lifestyle guide. And they said, we'll only take the book if we can call it the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook because, and this is a quote, we want to take advantage of the cachet of Main Street Vegan Academy. And I'm sitting here thinking, seriously? It has awesome. that much cachet? And, you know, and we'll see if that's the right choice. I mean, I still think, and I think JL still thinks, a coach in your kitchen was a great title. But, you know, we're going with Main Street Vegan Academy, and um, good, here we are. Yeah, fantastic. And I guess publisher. Oh, that's and, interesting. And yeah. Publishers, because they buy your book. I always say it's sort of like giving up a baby for adoption. You know, <laughs> they, they bought it. It's theirs. And you might have opinions, but it's, you don't have uh, decision-making power to the degree that you did before the publisher bought the book. And so I, I would say, and, and JL, please weigh in, I, I think they've been great to work with, and they've given us more um, opinion um, opportunity to um, give our opinions than maybe any publisher I've ever worked with on things like layout and design that nobody ever asked me before <laughs> if I had an opinion. But still, the ultimate decisions um, are theirs because it's theirs now. Right. And, and I'll agree. I, this is my fourth publisher that I've worked with. And uh, Wow, they run a tight ship and they keep us, you know, keep us in line as far as really keeping us to what we said we wanted to do. Like, I, I was really impressed with the attention to detail that they would continue to remind us about intent um, and that they absolutely were collaborative. There were some times where we had different opinions, even on the cover of the book, and I really felt like we were heard and, and the cover's gorgeous. I think everyone's thrilled with it as a result. But that didn't just happen. That was a lot of conversation, a lot of different things that we looked at and, and things that they know, you know, Victoria and I would talk about this a lot, you know, they spend their time finding out what is motivating someone to pick up a book at either online or at a store. And those are some things that we just don't know. So it was kind of needing to tr them trusting us and what we believe that our readers want to see and us trusting them in them understanding what a potential reader is going to be motivated by to pick up the book. Yeah, good. And I guess they've done that in the subtitle, like with the whole kind of, you know, the practical tips for the healthiest, most compassionate you, like that's going to appeal to people who are just interested in self-development, like, you know, health and personal development. They might not even be necessarily interested in vegan, but they'll pick it up because of that aspect of it. But, and I've got, so I guess similar experiences, like I've been published with non-vegan books, you know, by 
um, Routledge um, and uh, Wiley. And, and you're right, you know, once you kind of give it to them, although again, we, my partner and I, Tracy and I, edited a couple of books and they were quite good. They were specialist books and they did kind of offer, you know, allow us to, to give feedback and stuff. But you're right, at the end of the day, I guess that's one of the, the risks of, you know, because the publisher's taking the risk by fronting the money and giving you an advance, paying all the production costs. But then it's also a risk for the author that, yeah, at the end of the day, they can, you know, tweak it however they want. So, uh, no, that's great. So thank you for sharing that. So let's talk a little bit about the process of the writing because your co-authors, as you mentioned, you've also got contributors from, you know, a lot of um, other Main Street Vegan Academy certified coaches. How did you kind of manage all that? Because you, you don't even live in the same cities. How did you decide what to include and who would write what? Well, I think a lot of the success of that is that JL is really good at spreadsheets. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So she took care of all the recipes. She can tell you how she organized that because I don't even go that close to organization. Um, <laughs> I, I did the editorial parts, the introduction, the first couple of chapters on, you know, how well, we have a, a chapter called Fifty Shades of Vegan and uh, that you can basically be vegan your own way, which we both believe so, so much. And then also uh, busting the myths of expensive, complicated, and weird. And then the final chapter, which is about vegan outside the kitchen and getting in the, the cosmetics and then the whole lifestyle and, and all that. And then I also accepted the tips um, from our our graduates and went through, you know, and tried to find the best ones and weed out the duplicates and that sort of thing. But the real, I think, organizational expertise is JL, and she can tell us all how she did that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on then, JL, the spreadsheet queen. You've got another nickname now. <laughs> Anybody that's met, met me once knows that that's true. No, it's funny. I mean, you know, co-authoring a book is challenging anyway and wonderful. I mean, the very first book I worked on um, was a co-authored book with Jenny Messina, and then this one with Victoria was equally exciting and wonderful. And both happened, you know, we're not in the same room. I, I, Victoria, I think we might have been in the same room once during the whole process of, at a coffee shop. I mean, we did this virtually. And, um, and now add all these other contributors who are coming in. And so, you know, kind of compartmentalizing the way I do with the spreadsheet. I mean, what Victoria and I really kind of looked at this book as, um, okay, so it's going to be recipes because it's a cookbook, but it's also going to be almost like there's a whole other book within the book, which is really about what is veganism and how do you live a compassionate lifestyle. And so we kind of, I think, kept those segments separately as long as we could so that we could work on them independently. So Victoria really wrote the book in the book, which is is the, the heart and soul of what veganism means to us and, um, and how people who pick up the book are going to be able to just leap into this joyful lifestyle. And I really focused on the recipes and working with the contributors who are bringing in the recipes to just make sure they were consistent. And, and I spent a lot of time being an editor and then trying to, to look for themes from a culinary perspective through it. And we kind of did those two things separately. And what was very cool was then as we started to put it together, we could really see that A, we are always on the same page. It turns out and that there was a lot of you know synchronicity there but then we could also find gaps and things like oh we talked about this in a recipe let's make sure we talk about it more in the introduction or we've talked about some foods in the introduction and whoops we don't have any recipes for that so it was a real collaboration and a real you know working on things independently but knowing that they need to be part of a, a continuum ultimately Got it. So how often did you liaise with each other? Like, did you have like a weekly, say, a Skype or a phone meeting? Or how did that kind of happen? <gasps> it, 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 <laughs> it was mostly, I think, by email. Um, yeah, we, we, we spoke a few times. And, you know, it's so funny listening to it now, kind of third person, as if I weren't there. It's like, wow. This is amazing. <laughs> because there, there were a lot of moving parts, but I think about that, it takes a village. It's like, so the two of us have our names on the cover, but there are these 60 other people who are definitely an integral part of it. And then other people, we, we talked about, um, you know, our, our wonderful photographer, whom JL knew and, and got for us, uh, Jackie Saban, also 
Uh, we were looking for a vegan butter recipe and determined, and JL was familiar with this, that Brianna Clark Grogan's uh, recipe was just not to be paralleled. It's like, why go try to find something new when the best one is already out there? So she was kind enough to, to give us a recipe that she had created and, and used before. And then we've got a foreword from Jane Velez Mitchell. And so it just seems that there's so many contributors involved and even if you're just writing your very own book there really are a lot of contributors you know everybody who inspired you everybody that you interview everybody that you quote is part of this process and that's just what makes it rich so I think a a great advice to a first-time writer is it may be your book but um, not entirely Oh, absolutely. I can so agree with that, especially with my book, Vegan Ventures. I mean, it's, I think it's only been successful because of, you know, the insights from, from everybody else that are weaved through. So I could definitely um, vouch for that. So in terms of the photographs, because for something like a cookbook, so for, you know, people writing books about food and, and it's going to be quite photography heavy. So how does that work? Like, did people sort of donate their work or did the, the publisher cover the cost of photos? How does that kind of work? Is that sort of part of the collaborative process? And they get a win out of it because they're featured in the book and they get the the cachet. How does, how did that work? <laughs> well, I'll I'll jump in since I worked on a lot of cookbooks. So the publishing world these days has changed a lot, and I think it has a lot to do with food um, blogs. And uh, for many publishers now, when you enter a contract with a cookbook, they actually have an expectation that the author hire the photographer and the author is responsible for paying for that. And and that's what we did in this case. We wanted a book that had beautiful photos that, um, and we wanted to be able to hold our photographer accountable. Um, and, you know, as a, as a, a paid person. So, you know, Jackie's one of the, Jackie Sobin is one of the best vegan photographers out there and we knew we wanted her and Victoria and I prioritized that. Fantastic, and, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's good for people to, to know that. And what is amazing to me is that these were not her recipes. These were recipes from all these hither, thither, and yon people. But she not only photographed them beautifully, she made the food. <laughs> and even oh, though we, wow. had, we had recipe <laughs> testers, obviously, to make sure that everybody's recipe worked, we weren't just taking people's you know, word like, oh, yeah, it's really good. I've never really made it. But <laughs> So we knew that, that you could, these were viable recipes. But yet when she made the recipes and took those gorgeous pictures, we had another layer of knowing these don't only work and taste good, they are gorgeous. Wow, fantastic. She's obviously very talented, Jackie. I think I might have to have her on the show. <laughs> oh, you should. Yeah. Yak attack. Yeah, I've heard her. I know who she is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now you mentioned, Victoria, the slow, the slowness of the production of a book. What was the time frame, say, between the conception of the book, or when we say the conception, maybe the, between putting in the proposal and it actually being published? And as you mentioned, it's going to be published on the 19th of December, 2017. What sort of time period was that? I feel, JL, that we got the proposal to the agent in, was it early summer, maybe, 2016? Yeah, 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 that sounds right. Early, early, yeah. So, and and the actual, the production time for this book was actually short. Um, Very often they want a whole year um, to, to do a cookbook, and I think they turned this one around a little bit more quickly. This wow. is so funny. I almost feel like we're, we're missing a year. <laughs> well, but, we've been, but Victoria, no, you are, because you know what you're thinking of. So we at the Ve- at VegFest Colorado, so when, I wasn't joking when I said that there were only a few times Victoria and I actually, I mean, we see each other all the time, like three or four times a year because I teach in the academy. But when we sat down to work on this book, one time was in the hotel in Golden, Colorado, after you mm-hmm. and I both spoke at VegFest Colorado, and we mapped out what we wanted this proposal to look like. And we then, that was two years ago, and then we yeah, went our separate ways. Yeah, that was 2015. Ways. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we, so, we took so a good and long a half time. Years. 
Yeah. Four and a half years. Wow. Wow. And I think it's good for people to know that because, you know, sometimes like this, I mean, people hold these workshops, you know, write your best selling book in a weekend. And, you know, they can be a bit of a, a misnomer. I mean, yeah, sure, you can get something at least down on paper, which I think can be useful. But the idea that it's going to be yeah, written and published within a week or whatever is yeah very much a myth so I think it's, it's good for people to get a, a bit of I mean obviously if you're self-publishing yes you could get it out quicker but even so still you know you need that kind of process to, to go through with the editing and the proofreading and and all that kind of thing so great so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the PR and marketing side and the business side of the book so you've both written several books including vegan ones so what benefits does having a book bring to your respective businesses just today, I received a, an email from someone who's a very prominent in, in the online world lamenting as to um, not, not being invited to present as, as much as this person would like to present. And, and they said, do you think I need a book? <laughs> and you know, and I certainly I don't think that somebody should write a book just to have a platform any more than I think somebody should have a baby just to have a companion. I mean, I think there, it's, it's a big deal, and you want to really you want to write a book because you have something to say. But if indeed you do have something to say, the book is an incredible hook, and I don't know if it will be that way forever. I mean, the world is changing very rapidly. But as of now, there is still a credential that authorship gives a person that is really hard to get any other way. Mm, well, yeah. and I'm going to jump in on that, Victoria, because I've been having a theory lately myself. I, I will say that I feel like a, a good amount of my business now, as it is, you know, and I, and I wear a lot of different hats within my vegan business. I do a lot of different things. But I do know for a fact that some of my more lucrative um, consulting gigs that I have right now are a result of the book. But I'll tell you what, I think it's more than the result of a book. Because as you were saying that, Victoria, what it made me think of is there are lots of people who know lots of things, right? And so somebody's like, well, I took up knitting. Now I'm a, um, I'm a great knitter. I'm going to teach everybody how to knit. Well, it doesn't work that way. And if you take the time to write a book, it's not that you just wrote a book. It was because you took the time to hone in on what it is that you believe you know to a point where you were able to illustrate that in a book and then other people could pick up that book and then learn, go, oh, you do know what you're talking about and now I know how to do this too. And so it's not just the book that gets you in the door, but it's because you have honed a craft or whatever it is the topic is that you're writing about so well that it translates into other things. And so it is the book, no doubt about it. There are people who have hired me directly as a result of my books. They've Googled, they found me, but then I have to show up and know what I'm talking about. And I know that because I took the time to learn something and become an expert at it so much so that I could write a book about it. And I'll let that make sense. Yeah, it, yeah, totally. Sure. And it reminds me of, of that old saying, well, you know, it's saying, does, does he know what he's talking about? Well, no, he wrote the book. So yeah. it, there's just, <laughs> it, it, it is, it, it's a great credential. And I think in terms of, of you, JL, I mean, I know you in, in lots of, of your many aspects and you have expertise in a great many areas, but I think that out in the world, your reputation is the, the, the pot lady, you know, the, 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 specific appliance vegan cook you know you've got the air fryer the pressure cooker i think you have another one in the works there's a chapter in the main street vegan academy cookbook on one pot meals uh, that don't necessarily have to be in an electric kind of pot but very much amenable to those so you've carved out a niche primarily mm. through books so that when somebody wants the expert on pressure cooking instant pot whatever it is for vegans there you are yeah for yeah. sure for sure so now writing a book as we we know for authors it's only the first step marketing and promotion is really important so 
obviously you've, you've been published by, by publishers rather than doing the self-publishing route. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the strategies that you use to promote your books and which have been the most successful and also how much effort you need to put into it as opposed to letting the publisher handle it? Lots of effort. I think as much if you have a publisher as if you self-publish. Um, now more than ever, I mean, I remember my, my first book came out a long time ago, 1985, and I wrote a lot of books in the 90s and the early 2000s when it was just normal that even a mid-list author or, or a new author who wasn't famous would get a 10-city tour, and they would fly you off in first class. You'd be driven around in cities by these lovely people called media escorts who just knew where all the TV stations were and everything was all laid out. You didn't have to do anything. You just had to show up, look nice, and have some sound bites. Those days are over unless, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you wrote Harry Potter. Yeah. So, um the tricky thing is communicating, I think, with the publicist at the publishing house because they really try their best. Usually they're extremely overworked. I think in a big publisher, most publicists are working on about a dozen books at a time. And that's so tricky because they're pushing this, the same um, media outlet with several different books. I mean, it, it's just a terrible juggling act, and so things do fall through the cracks. So to be there with whatever contacts you have, with any way that you can help without being pushy, it's a fine line. Sure. What kind of marketing and promotion are you doing, and what are you finding that's most successful? Well, Victoria, if you don't mind, I'll jump in. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're gearing up now for, for, for this book. So I think it'll be interesting because Victoria and I bring a, different approaches to this. You know, my experience with uh, my previous books was that there wasn't a lot, and, and this isn't a, you know, a, a put down or a criticism. It was just a fact. I, I felt like there was a kind of a routine approach that all of the publishers took. They put a press release together. They send it out to their usual media and there may or may not, you know, may or may not get a story. I never really focused on that because I'm like, well, that's their job and I don't know anybody, you know, at a major network, TV network or, or newspaper, so I'm not going to go that route. I have gone a very grassroots approach that actually really complemented my business model too. And, and I, I did this first with vegan pressure cooking, which was I put together a model of um, putting out a request to my, my followers and my readers on my website and on my social media platforms to say, my book is coming out. I'd love to come to your community and teach a cooking class. Let me know if you're interested. And I had a, believe it or not, a spreadsheet. A Google form that people would fill out and it would all fall into a spreadsheet. And basically I would just ask questions like, is there someone there that could fly me out to this class? Um, if not, can I charge for this class? If so, what can the market bear in your community? In one community, they might be able to charge $20 for a class. In another, it might, be, it might be $5. And so I just kind of put together this idea of how I could get around and teach cooking classes and either be self-funded or be invited in. And then where were the, the miss, you know, missing links? And I then put together a proposal and I went to potential sponsors, people who make pressure cookers, people who make ingredients that I'll be using on the book tour and ask for cash contributions and or, you know, in kind, you know, ingredient or appliance donations. And when I did that in 2015, I had over 1,300 people take cooking classes with me in a seven-month wow. time period. And wow. then I did the same thing with the vegan air fryer. And, um, and the good news is, and I think this is where Victoria and I, what's going to be kind of fun about, you know, the, the co-author side of things is that I'm going to be getting, you know, continue to get invited in to speak at VegFest to do cooking demos. And now I can also cook from this book and or collaborate if it's in a, a VegFest is in a town where one of our contributors is, then collaborate with them and get them up on the stage. And maybe they haven't been invited to a VegFest before. So this will empower them in their own community. And I can do it from the cooking side. And Victoria is going to continue to be invited to be a keynote speaker at these events and also, you know, work our book into that. So I think we're going to be poised to do really come at this from a couple of different angles when it comes mm. to getting the word out about our book. 
Oh, I and love that. Yeah. Katrina, it would be a really interesting talk to have with us uh, eight months from now or a year from now. Because of collaborating and, and because there are two of us out there with this book, or there will be, um, plus a little help from our other contributors, it'll be interesting to see if there's an exponential effect uh, more than either of us has seen with yeah. single author books. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, so keep notes on that. Um, so <laughs> spreadsheet, spreadsheet. No, I love that. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's really helpful for people to hear to get those different ideas of how they can can go about that. Now, advanced can I just, Oh yeah, go on. Um, I don't like to travel. JL is, is it very healthy, hearty person. <laughs> like to just be on the road all the time. I, I, I don't know. I think I would come home in a stretcher. I'm just not a great traveler. But what is so wonderful about this time in history is how much you can do from home. So yeah. right now we're doing something like that. And I think anybody, not just with a book, but any sort of fabulous vegan something, if you've got a food product, if you've got something new and wonderful going on, there are vegan podcasts. There are all kinds of, of blogs and, and other ways to just be home, let people know what you're doing, and um, you know they help you get the word out too. It's true. And I, if, if you don't mind, Katrina, I want to jump on that. The other thing that I think has been really helpful for me is the power of Facebook groups. Um, because right. I actually think that when you have a, a book concept and you think you're onto something, starting a Facebook group is a great way to find out are people naturally drawn to or attracted to this topic? Do they want to be a part of it? That's exactly what happened with the vegan air fryer. I became enamored. I decided to start a Facebook group. When I put my proposal together, I had five members in my group. By the time I had a contract, I had 1,500 members in the group. By the time my book came out, I had over 10,000 members oh, wow. of my group, which was an audience to buy my book, and now That's it has cool. 12,000. And, and I think Victoria and I are both really good about being online and being present in communities online. And I think that anybody who's thinking about a book or a concept um, has to be thinking in those terms. Wonderful. That's brilliant. Thank you for, for sharing that. You're right. Yeah, particularly because with Facebook pages now, they can be quite difficult to get your posts to your organic posts anyway to your audience. So groups are certainly a, a great way to do that. And I love what you said about building the community around the book who then become natural buyers. And they always feel like they can be part of the process. So sometimes it'd be good to say, what do you think of this title? What do you think of this cover? Or, you know, what do you think about this and getting their feedback? So they feel like they're part of the process and then they're even more likely to, you know, they can't wait to get their hands on it when it comes out because they've almost been a, a part of it. Um, so I wanted to talk just a little bit, final couple of questions before we wrap up. Advanced praise um, and forward from respected people obviously is very helpful. Now, Victoria, you've got an endorsement from Ellen DeGeneres and one from Bill Clinton. So I want to know, I think we all want to know, how did you get those and what tips <laughs> can both of you offer on how to go about getting celebrity or high-profile endorsements? Well, those two came from Main Street Vegan, which uh, came out in 2012. And, and in all honesty, that was a magical time. I really <laughs> believe that, that truly this is, this is the era in some kind of spiritual way when the animals' issues are at the forefront and the animals are getting some kind of special help. So what happened with the Bill Clinton was the publisher simply sent him a copy and he read it and liked it and wrote me a letter and signed it with his own pen. Wow. And um, that's pretty amazing. It didn't keep him from going back. You know, he went back and stopped yeah. being vegan or plant-based or whatever he was calling himself, but now he's back again. You know, he, yeah. he went into the outer darkness and has returned. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, and, and I took that quote off my website as long as he was out there eating animals. But then when he said that he had stopped again, I put it back you up. Put it back. Oh, nice. uh, the, the Ellen DeGeneres was interesting because um, that book was with a big publisher. It was with Random House, and the publicist was very well connected. And she had gotten me Ellen. She had gotten me a spot on the Ellen show. All that was going to happen was which day. Is it going to be Tuesday? Is it going to be Wednesday? And then another vegan person was on the show. And evidently, 
they just got too many people saying enough with the vegan stuff that the word uh-huh. came down from a high up producer, no more vegan shows this season. Well, of course I was devastated. I mean, I remember having to go to the dentist that day and sitting on the floor of the hall outside the dentist's office crying. Oh. And it wasn't from dentistry, it was from Ellen. And oh. the publisher really, the uh, publicist really went to bat for me and she said, you know, this is, this is terrible that this woman was promised this and now she won't have it. What can you do for us? And so Ellen did um, a blog post and a, a website mention, and and started following me on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> so cool. you know, it, it's Aww. all it's wonderful how these things happen, but not always uh, a direct line from A to Z. And yeah. I think get, getting these people, you know, it's really interesting. And the thing that we always think about is, oh you know so-and-so, or your sister knows so-and-so, or whatever it is. And if it were regular, non-famous people, that's just the joys of networking. It's like, oh, my gosh, your sister knows so-and-so who, you know, really likes to cook. Tell her about my book. That's what we would do. But with the celebrities, it's very different. And I yes. think that's because, you know, here here in the U.S., you know, we don't have royalty, so we have celebrities. And... People are, don't want to share their celebrities. You know, it's like, you know, you can get a one celebrity share per lifetime. Don't ask a second time. So they're a little bit tough to get. But the cool thing is there's two layers. You know, in the vegan world, there are vegan celebrities that mean a lot to people who are interested in the sorts of books and projects and products that we're all about. And then there are a lot of vegans who are famous in the bigger world that you can sometimes just meet through vegan events. Um, you know, it it's, uh, sometimes takes a little bit of luck and a little bit of pushing. I mean, we have uh, Emily Deschanel uh, gave us a, a blurb for this book, and it took, oh, four months. And I was just like, I can't ask again. <laughs> but I did the day before it was due. And we got it. So, again, it's that fine line of how much do you push and yet how much do you believe in your project enough that you're willing to just try one more time nicely. Love it. Love it. Fantastic. Now, JL, I've got a question for you. I mean, Victoria, you might want to weigh in, but the final question I wanted to ask is, we've got all these new technologies nowadays. We've got Kindle, we've got audio books. Um, but with that, and obviously that's great because it means more people can consume the books in different ways, but it also comes with some challenges. And I know, JL, from seeing you on your social media, you've had some issues with unscrupulous people copying the text of your books and selling them on Amazon under their own name. How have you handled that? And what advice would you give to others who might find themselves in that situation oh yeah um, well first I would just say if you're writing you know I'm just going to talk about it from a cookbook perspective if you're writing recipes and you're putting them on the web and they're good there's a really good chance they already are in a book um, or will be so you just need to deal with it um, Two, you can't copyright a recipe and that's one of the biggest challenges you there can be some area, uh, if it's a sequence of recipes that are in the same order, or if um, the head notes are clearly, you know, if, you, if, if somebody's writing about their grandma and their lasagna, uh, it, it might become a, a little bit more questionable, but you actually can't copyright recipes. So, you know, any one of us could have five chili recipes at home and turn out that they're almost exactly the same. So it gets a little frustrating. The way that I've responded to it was I had to deal with a little dose of reality. The first time it happened, um, it was literally a book. They called it Vegan Pressure Cooking, which is the name of my book. And my recipes were in it. Um, they just they just changed around. They changed the ingredients around so they weren't in the same order. They changed. They reworded the head note. But but it was they were my recipes and I uh, let my this was what this is the lesson I learned I let my publisher know and they were like yeah it happens and I'm like what wow. and I was so outraged <laughs> um, and so what happened is I'll give you my theory on on how these are working um, not that I know that much about it but what I really believe is that there's somebody whether it's in the U S or outside of the U S that simply 
hires people and tells them to go onto websites and to call recipes from websites and put them, you know, they just say, I'll pay you X amount and just give me a book on this topic. Because as you know, Amazon's not a bookstore. Amazon is a, a search engine. And yeah. so they're looking up the search engine of Amazon to see what kinds of things people are buying, what books are they buying or what appliances, and then they, they do this. So this is a racket. It's happening. Um, it's just a fact. So my publisher was like, yeah, it's too bad. Well, I was really upset. So I went on social media and then people who follow my business page, they went on to Amazon and left a bunch of negative reviews on that. And then <laughs> that pressure made the public, and I use the term publisher in quotes, yes. an author. This isn't an author. This isn't a human being who went after J.L. Fields. This is someone who got hired to do that. So I don't even begrudge them. It's whoever the, the, the publisher is. But that, that kind of that's why they had to take it down because I, they had so many ah. negative um, reviews. But I'll tell you an interesting thing. The third time that happened and I got in touch with Amazon and nothing happened, it was because they also took a picture off of my website. So it was a recipe and a photo, not in a book, but on my website. Amazon took it down in 24 hours. Ah. Isn't that interesting? So they weren't concerned about the book plagiarizing, yeah. but they did, they, they did react to my website, which is clearly my copyrighted material. I thought that was wow. fascinating. It is interesting. It's very interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. I wonder, I've been sort of following that and then I kind of thought, oh, I wonder what happened. But I love the fact that I guess that comes back to creating the community around your book in that you didn't have to go on there and say, hey, you've stolen my work. Your actual people, do, you know, your community did it for you, which is actually way better in a way and that it got taken down. So that's brilliant. So both of you have shared some wonderful um, insights. Congratulations again on the book. And of course, we'll put a link to it. Um, it's the Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook over 100 plant sourced recipes plus practical tips for the healthiest, most compassionate you. And I've said it twice now without tripping up. <laughs> yeah, me. Um, but no, it's a great title. We'll put a link to that. Congratulations on it. And um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear um, how it all goes. I'm sure it's going to be a fabulous success. And I'm looking forward to getting my copy in the mail too. Um, thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Katrina. And thanks, and thanks for all you do for vegan business, which is saving so many animals. So that was Victoria Moran and J.L. Fields. You can find out more about Victoria and the Main Street Vegan Academy at MainStreetVegan.net and about J.L. at JLGoesVegan.com. And those links are on the show notes page at VeganBusinessMedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 93. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The global vegan cheese market is estimated to be worth just under $4 billion by 2024, growing at a compound annual growth rate of 7.6% from 2016 to 2024, according to a new report by research firm Barat Book. Increasing consumer demand for environmentally friendly and animal-free sources of protein, rising concerns over antibiotics, allergens and hormone use, and animal welfare concerns are cited as the key factors driving the growth. The use of vegan cheese in fast food snacks and bakeries is also supporting the growth of the market. Key players in this space are noted as including Dr. Cow, Tree Nut Cheese, Uhrenholt, Kite Hill, Miyoko's Kitchen, Vitopian Artisan Cheeses, Heidi Ho, Hochland Group, Parmela Creamery and Treeline Tree Nut Cheese. It's great to see vegan cheese coming into its own and this is obviously a sector that's ripe for continued growth when you consider how many different dairy cheeses are available. There's room for plenty more plant-based alternatives. An Indian startup has launched a vegan version of mutton, the country's second most consumed meat, reports Veg News. Good Dot CEO Abhishek Sinha said, The stereotype of India as a vegetarian country is increasingly wrong. Upwards of 70% of people do eat meat, and India has the opportunity to take a better path than the West when it comes to meeting our country's growing demand for meat. The product, which is labelled simply as vegetarian meat, is made with soy, wheat and pea proteins and is now available at 7,500 stores across India. 
Although the company's products will all be vegan, the term is not that well known in the country, so Good Dot describes them as vegetarian. And the company plans to launch vegetarian chicken and protease, a high-protein meat alternative, over the next few months. It's heartening to see Indian vegan entrepreneurs doing their part to reverse a worrying trend towards meat eating. And I think this is a good example of how businesses play an important part in changing people's behaviours and buying habits. So let's hope that Good Dot proves to be popular. Finally, a Danish company has created a plant-based minced meat which is set to launch in 600 stores of Denmark's largest retailer in the new year, reports Planet Save. Created by Naturally Foods, the minced protein is reported to contain soy, wheat, almonds, mushrooms, coconut, beetroot and tomato. Naturally CEO Henrik Lund said the product does the same as ordinary mints. And when asked how he managed to secure such a large order with Danish supermarket retailer Dank's Supermarkt Group, which serves 1.5 million customers across the country, he said, I met the senior category manager of fresh meat from Dank's Supermarkt Group, Kasper Fugslang, by coincidence. And he told me that if I could present a product that tastes good and had a competitive price, he would make room for it in his 600 stores in Denmark. So I did. I love this. It just goes to show that sometimes you have to have tenacity and determination. And when an opportunity arises, be prepared to take full advantage of it. Fantastic. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.